0: You know, when we walk into this place of worship on Sunday, we don't leave our places of pain or sadness or illness behind us. We don't leave those problems or those challenges at the door and and walk in without them. We usually bring them with us. And I think that's how God wants it to be. So this morning, I want to invite you in the silence of your heart to to share with God, to name before him those places where there are hurts and pains and fears and doubts, I want to invite you to name and confess the sin of your life and to receive God's pardon and forgiveness. So let's join together in a moment of silent prayer. Let us pray together. O God, our Heavenly Father, we have named and confessed our sin before you this morning. And so here we stand now today as your people, redeemed, forgiven, cleansed, and renewed, giving thanks to you, God, for indeed you are good. Here we stand knowing that it is to you to whom we can cry out for help in time of need knowing that you not only deliver, but that you guide the way to where we need to go. We ask you this day, Lord, to be that steady guide for all of us who are seeking your way this morning. Here we stand today, Father, by the living water that Jesus promised that flows and fills all who are thirsty and hungry. Here we stand today, Lord, with those who reformed the church so many years ago, and with those people who are still reforming the church today, we stand together as witnesses for all you have created and loved. We stand today, Lord, giving thanks for the Spirit, whose light brought new understanding to the living Word and the written Scripture. We are grateful for the inspiration that led to the printing press, enabling the sharing of the good news of Jesus in many languages, and for for the technologies that support that good work today. We remember today, Lord, the lives that were lost in the struggle to reform the church on earth. Those persons who were martyred, died fighting, perished in hiding, were killed on all sides. We remember the lives that have been lost throughout history in the name of religion and for those who die today still daring to believe and trust in you. So we thank you, God, for the worldwide body of Christ and for each local church. We especially pray today for all who call Oakmont home, that the ministries and the love that we share together would knit and bind our hearts in such a way that our community would see and experience through us the hands, the feet, the mind, and the heart of Jesus, in whose name we offer our collective prayers now. Amen. Well, friends, I want to invite you to uh, take your Bibles and turn with me as we read out of the fourth gospel this morning in John chapter 4 we can, we're continuing to look at some of the women of the New Testament and this morning we meet along with Jesus and his disciples a woman from the territory that is called Samaria. Let's begin in verse 4. It's an interesting verse verse 4. Now he had To go through Samaria. It didn't say Jesus chose to go through Samaria. It said now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sukkar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was noon. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the water is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his flock and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir... Your husband, what you have just said, is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And yet a time is coming, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, one of the most challenging parts of preparing and writing and then preaching a sermon is deciding which rabbit you're going to chase in the text. And there are a lot of rabbits that are darting in and out in this text in the midst of this dry and thirsty encounter at high noon there in Sikkar, Samaria. There are a lot of rabbits, a lot of places we could go in this text. We could go in the direction this morning of being reminded that every one of us in this room have some places in and of ourselves that we just can't quite meet our need. So we all are in need of that living water that Jesus promised that wells up within us and brings us eternal life. We could, if we wanted to, chase that rabbit down the hole and talk a little bit about what constitutes worship. Jesus says in the text that those who worship God worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it wouldn't hurt us spending a little bit of time talking about worship, especially in a day and age when so many of us show up at worship and are trying to figure out how well have you entertained me today, and how well have you met my needs today. We need to be reminded that worship is not about us, but it's about God. We've forgotten that. We could chase the rabbit if we wanted to, And focusing on how this woman, after she met Jesus, returned back to town and became a witness to that living water of Jesus. She went back and told all of her family and her friends, all of the villagers about Jesus. But the rabbit that I want to chase this morning is something that I struggle with from time to time. And I wonder if you struggle with it as well. The rabbit that I want to chase this morning is that tendency that I think we all have in some shape, form, or fashion to erect those prejudicial walls and boundaries and barriers around us rather than tearing those walls down and building bridges of trust and love with people that we don't know or always understand in such a way that I get to see the real you, and you get to see the real me. That's what I want to chase this morning. How do we tear down walls of prejudice and build bridges of trust and love? Now, you know the Jews and the Samaritans had a 500-year history at this point of Building up walls rather than building bridges of trust with each other. Who are the Samaritans? Let's get that straight. The Samaritans are descendants of the northern ten tribes of Israel. They were taken into exile by the Assyrians around 722 BCE, before the Common Era, but there were a few who were left behind. And those few Jews. Intermarried with some other ethnic groups who came into the region, and thus they sacrificed the purity of the Jewish religion and faith and ethnicity, and thus were regarded as the purebred by the purebred Jews to be half breeds. That's who the Samaritans were. They were half breeds in the eyes of the Jewish people. To make matters worse, at one point in their history, they erected an alternative site of worship in Samaria that the Jews did not believe was authentic and they did not agree with that place of worship. It wasn't acceptable to them. There is so much antagonism among Jews and Samaritans that if you are a Jewish person in the southern part of Israel, and real quickly, let's let's do a quick geography lesson. This is a map, and this is... Judah, south, Samaria's in the middle, Galilee's up north. So you're down here in Jerusalem, in Judea, and you want to go up to Galilee, but you're a Jewish person. You don't like the Samaritans. You don't want to go through their country. You don't want to see them. You don't want to have to talk with them, interact with them. So what you do is you go east. You go east. It looked like I was going west in your direction. You go east and you cross the Jordan River and you go up and then you recross the Jordan River and come into Galilee so that you don't even have to go straight through Samaria. Now you see, it takes two to three days to get from Jerusalem up to Galilee if you go through Samaria, but if you go the route I've just described, crossing the Jordan, going north, crossing the Jordan again, coming back into Galilee, it takes twice that long. And there was so much animosity and hatred and distrust and dislike among the Jews and the Samaritans that the Jews were willing to take an extra two or three days to cross the Jordan, go north and recross it again to come back into Galilee rather than taking a straight shot up north through Samaria. Now you know in this text, Jesus is not only building bridges of trust that that is overcoming some racial and ethnic prejudice, but he's also building some bridges that have some social and religious and gender implications. First of all, a Jew is talking to a Samaritan. Okay, we got that, right? They don't like each other. Jesus is overcoming some ethnic and racial prejudice. But also, a man is talking to a woman in public husbands and wives didn't do that back in that day a man did not address his wife in public and certainly Jesus being a good Jewish rabbi is now talking to a woman in public okay he's overcoming a gender barrier Jesus is overcoming a religious faith barrier Because the Samaritans worship at an alternative site from Jerusalem. And Jesus is reminding this woman that one day it won't matter where you worship. What will really matter is are you worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And then finally we get down to the nitty gritty of it. Because Jesus is talking to a woman who has a seedy past. She's been married five times. Now, in the woman's defense, it could be the case that all five husbands have divorced her, and you understand this is a day and age when women have no rights. They can't divorce a husband, but a husband can look at a, man, at a woman, his wife, and point his finger at her and say three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Because she burned the toast that morning. Because he doesn't like the way she dressed that day. Because there's too much, too much dust in the house, or it hasn't been vacuumed lately. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. So in fairness to the woman, it could well have been that she had five husbands who put her away. And now, Jesus points out to her, the man with whom she is living is not her husband. Now, you want to talk about breaking down some barriers of prejudice? Jesus has smattered the whole vase in one shot. Now, we got to ask ourselves the question, why in the world would Jesus be in the business this particular day of tearing down the walls of prejudice and and trying to build some bridges of trust with this sinful woman. And especially, now think about this, especially given the fact that Jesus has around him 12 young impressionable boys, his disciples. Jesus has his 12 impressionable boys who he should be focusing on mentoring with other good positive Role models. And instead, he brings them into an encounter with a Samaritan slut. What in the world is Jesus thinking? Well, you know, the fact is, Jesus isn't thinking. Jesus isn't using the logical, rational, sequential, thinking part of himself, which is his mind, his brain. The fact is, Jesus is following his heart. He's listening to the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Jesus has decided that he's not going to focus on the exterior, and you know, you and I are experts at focusing on the exterior making our judgments and our conclusions based on the exterior. Jesus is going to focus on the interior, on the inner essence of what what makes all of us human beings. Let's go back for a moment to verse 4. Remember it said, Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. It doesn't say that he chose to go through Samaria. It said he had to go through Samaria. You have to ask yourself, who in their right mind would choose to go through Samaria? Who in their right mind would choose to start tearing down walls of prejudice and building those bridges of trust? But you see, you don't tear down walls of prejudice by using your mind. You don't tear down walls of prejudice by using your thinking processes. I think you tear down walls of prejudice when your heart gets touched. Your heart gets touched by another human being that you realize is a whole lot like you. A lot more commonalities than what you thought existed. You don't tear down walls of bias and prejudice based on using your brain and logically thinking through it. You do it because your heart gets touched by another human being and your heart is open to the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's give this woman some credit too. In fact, let's give her a lot of credit. Because let's realize that this woman is just as prejudiced against Jesus as Jesus' fellow Jews are prejudiced against her. Truth be told, she may well be done with men. She's had five husbands. She's now living with a sixth one. Maybe he's not treating her so well. She's done with men. She's done with Jews. And yet, you read the text and you see that she's willing to tear down her walls Of prejudice and build a bridge of trust that results guess what in her becoming the first person in the gospel according to John to whom Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah the Christ the anointed one the Savior of the world and that leads her also to become the first person who returns to her people to her village and tells them about Jesus and they all begin to experience that living water that he came to offer you know today we have already remembered in our worship time the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation and indeed there were some things that needed changing there were things that needed reforming there were church practices that needed renewing in the Roman Catholic Church 500 years ago that gave rise to that Protestant protesting reformation, reforming of the church. But you know one of the downsides of that event 500 years ago is that there is still an official schism. There's still an official division. There's still an official split between Catholics and Protestants that often entails a deep mistrust and prejudice, one against the other. Even Martin Luther, in his later years, penned articles that entailed an anti-Jewish rant, exhibiting some prejudice in his own life. In one of the documents, in one of the articles that Martin Luther wrote, he said Thus, when you see a real Jew, you may with a good conscience cross yourself and boldly say, There goes the devil incarnate. Martin Luther. Prejudice. Walls which got built up at that time. Which in that day and age led to programming for protecting Christians in their society from a Jewish influence and the way they decided to protect the Christian society at that time from Jewish influence was by burning synagogues, destroying Jewish homes, confiscating holy books, banning Jewish worship, and deporting Jews. That was in Martin Luther's time, the man who sparked the Protestant Reformation. He himself was a man who built walls of prejudice. You know, I remember when Franklin Graham came here to Greenville in 1998, almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago. He came here to preach at ECU's Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for several nights in an event that was then called Festival 98. That was an event 19 years ago that had overwhelming pastoral support and church support in our Greenville community. But you know, I remember that there were a few pastors at that time who stood up and publicly stated that they and their church would not be participating in Festival 98 because the Catholics were participating in the event. You know, we see that same kind of mistrust And that same kind of prejudice repeating itself today over and over again in the religious world, in our political world, among nations in international relations in which we live. Those stories keep repeating themselves. Stories that seem to me clearly that do not carry the spirit and the heart of Jesus. So friends, I have a homework assignment for you this morning when you leave worship. It's a homework assignment for you that I hope maybe you might complete in the next week or two. And I want you to understand, it's not a homework assignment I'm going to grade. It's a homework assignment between you and your God. Here's the assignment. I want you to go and find someone in the next week or two for whom you have created an internal wall or boundary of mistrust and maybe prejudice. It might be someone of another political persuasion. You're a Democrat and you don't trust Republicans. You're a Republican, and you don't trust Democrats. It might be someone who has a different religious faith from you. Someone of a different religion, another denominational difference or person. It may be someone who has no faith, or little faith, or doubts God, or questions God. I want you to go and find someone for whom for you it may be someone of a diverse ethnic or racial background. It might be someone who has an opposing cultural or socioeconomic or morality lifestyle or value system. And all I'm asking you to do is to find someone with whom you can have a conversation. That's the only thing I'm inviting you to do is find someone with whom, for whom you've erected a wall of prejudice or mistrust. Find a person like that that you can have a conversation with. I am in no way suggesting that you have to agree or approve with that, of that person's belief system or their lifestyle. The only thing I'm inviting you to do is to try to tear down some walls of prejudice. And build a bridge of trust and love through conversation. And take a chance, like Jesus did, with another hot and thirsty pilgrim just like yourself. Take a chance with a conversation at high noon with a woman like Jesus did in Samaria.